The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. If you don't believe the Bible, you'll believe anything. The world is awash with every kind of deceptive, religious, and occultic idea. There's a religion to fit just about every man-made notion of spirituality. It's a long list of isms that have been imported from every corner of the planet. The politicians promote multiculturalism. That's just one of the crazy isms being promoted by our ever-increasingly secular society. Only Christianity is the real light against the darkness of the demonic and the occult. So what do you believe? Hello, I'm Christine Darg, and we want to look at the subject of the occult and what should be the position of believers concerning the dark side. So many deceptive movies and video games are indoctrinating and initiating people night and day into the occult. And television is also rife with spiritually seductive programs about ghosts and haunted houses and so forth. These programs feed off of the gullibility of people and their innate hunger for the supernatural. You see, within every human heart, God has planted a deep desire for us to contact a higher power greater and wiser than us, to contact God himself. No matter who you are, whether you're a young person playing with a Ouija board or unfortunately watching a Harry Potter film, or whether you're a magic arts practitioner in India or Africa or California, Everybody craves the supernatural in one way or the other. It's a concept I've heard all my life, that inside each one of us is a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped hole that only God himself can fill. And if we try to fill this God space with anything else, it simply won't satisfy the need that we have inside of our hearts and souls. This idea of a God-shaped vacuum began way back in 1670 when a defense of the Christian religion by Blaise Pascal was published. He wrote that there was once in man a true happiness, but all that now remains is the empty print and trace that can only be filled by God himself. And then it, it evolved into the phrase God-shaped whole, and it was the title of a book published in 2002. Well, is there biblical backing for this idea of a God-shaped vacuum that's inside each of us? I believe there is, and I found it in Ecclesiastes 3.11, a verse that states that God himself has set eternity within the human heart. God has put a thirst mechanism within our hearts to seek the supernatural, to seek him, and in the New Testament, the concept of a God-shaped vacuum is found in John chapter 7. So let's take a look at that passage in verses 37 to 39. Jesus is attending the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. And on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
He said, he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus was describing the infilling of the Holy Spirit of believers. Well, in my studies this week, I discovered that the word innermost being in the Greek is kolos, meaning a hollow, a hole or empty space, something like a, a cavity inside a person. This verse is often translated in the Bible as belly or womb. So in John 7, Jesus described a spiritual empty space, a spiritual womb in the midst of man. And this is the source of the craving of spiritual thirst for the supernatural. But Jesus gave the divine, biblically prescribed solution to the spiritual hunger and thirst. And that was for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the indwelling Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and give us supernatural divine guidance. We're not to be filled with the dark side of the occult, which will only drag us down. But the great usurper of our souls, Satan, strategizes and entices us to fill our innermost being with worthless idolatry, horror stories, horoscopes, pop witchcraft, and so forth. The dark side is referred to as the occult, which, listen carefully, is a word derived from the Latin meaning hidden or concealed. Well, that to me is a revelation within itself because through occult practices, Satan moves by stealth and concealment. He covers and hides his true intentions to deceive us and to draw us down into eternal perdition along with him. So Satan is the master concealer. And the Bible does in fact say that, that Satan appears, not as a devil with a pitchfork, but as an angel of light in order to deceive human beings. The power operating through occult practices comes from Satan, but most people caught up in the occult scorn such a seemingly old-fashioned notion. They don't think the Bible is relevant, although it's God's unchangeable word. People have been enticed by claims that make the occult appear highly desirable and even fashionable, trendy. Well, Bible expositor Derek Prince of blessed memory, whom we knew when he lived in Jerusalem, is now with the Lord. But in his day, he was a Cambridge-educated Bible teacher with a great understanding of Israel and end-time Bible prophecy. And like my husband and myself, Derek spent a lot of time in Africa and India, where he was born, as well as living part-time in Israel. And like my husband and myself, although he was a Bible teacher, for many years, Derek Prince was involved in the ministry of healing and deliverance. He wasn't just an expounder of Bible prophecy, but as a type of minister that evangelist Reinhard Bonke is, Derek was one who dared to step out on God's word and actually demonstrate the Holy Spirit's power by praying for the sick and praying for a demon-oppressed persons who had gotten mixed up in the occult. Well, in our meetings, we dare to do the same because this is true gospel preaching pattern after the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, in fact, called the evangelistic ministry not just preaching, but actually daring to demonstrate the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, my speech and my preaching was not with clever rhetoric of man's wisdom, but I demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, many miracles and healings happened under apostolic ministry and demons were cast out just as Jesus drove out evil spirits from oppressed and possessed souls. And we do the same kind of preaching today in our meetings. Hallelujah. Well, when teaching the Bible, Derek Prince divided the occult into two categories in Scripture, the categories of divination and sorcery. They're both branches of the occult, but they differ slightly, which I'll explain. Divination attempts to provide knowledge or to predict the future about people and situations through supernatural means that are not God-ordained. Contemporary names for what the Bible refers to as divination are fortune-telling, psychic mediums, channeling, and ESP, extrasensory perception. Well, in Acts chapter 16 and verses 16 to 22, we have a good example of divination. It's an account of the apostles Paul and Silas and a psychic girl who was possessed with a spirit of divination. On their way to pray in what is today modern-day Greece, a slave girl ran into the apostles, and she was a psychic, and with her fortune-telling, she made lots of money for the hustlers who owned her. And she started following Paul and Silas around, calling everyone's attention to them by yelling out, These men are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you the way of salvation. Well, on the surface, it sounds good, doesn't it? That's why we must be filled with the Holy Spirit and possess the gift of the discerning of spirits in order to be able to discern between a right spirit and a wrong spirit. Well, she followed them around for a number of days until Paul finally got fed up with her and he, he turned and he commanded the spirit that possessed her to get out. And it was gone just like that. When her owners saw that their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they attacked Paul and Cyrus and roughed them up and dragged them into the marketplace and there was a riot, and the apostles were thrown into a maximum security jail, and even leg irons were clamped on them. But because of the miraculous, the story doesn't end there. I've always found it fascinating that the Greek New Testament says the slave girl had a python spirit. The words literally in the Greek are a spirit of python, or as some manuscripts render it, a python spirit. The python was the serpent that was worshipped at Delphi. And it caused the priestesses of Delphi to behave with wild distortions, shrill cries, and the general madness that's characteristic of evil inspiration. When Paul expelled the demon from the girl, she lost the ability to tell fortunes. And so her masters also lost their source of income, and they became very aggravated. Well, fortune-telling is deceptive and dangerous. You see, a person who has a so-called python spirit can actually channel supernatural knowledge from evil spirits concerning the past or future, and this makes them seem authentic. 
Well, what a bizarre Bible episode we had there in the Word of God in Acts 16. We have the devil preaching the gospel, confirming the word of Paul who preached it. How can it be that the prince of darkness testifies to the truth of the gospel? Wouldn't that be a case of Satan casting out Satan? But Bible commentators explain that this is a master stroke of devilish strategy. The demon spoke the truth through the slave girl in order to put Paul and Silas and the possessed woman on the same ground as if they were all in agreement and preaching from the same page. And if Paul and Silas had been deceived by the strategy, think of the damage that could have been done. In fact, the devil confessing Messiah in false religion is more dangerous than the devil denying Christ. To misrepresent the Lord, to mix truth with error, to pretend to be a messenger of the Lord, causes great confusion and deception. In this case, Satan again was transforming himself into an angel of light. But Paul had the discernment and the wisdom to cast out the spirit. The result of this episode was that Paul and Silas were jailed. But as they faithfully praised the Lord at midnight, God sent an earthquake. The jail was shaken. And Paul and Silas were miraculously delivered. And the Philippian jailer, who was in wonder over this miracle, he and his entire family were saved. Hallelujah. Well, as I said, human beings want to know the future. And so fortune-telling cashes in on this desire. But true believers are not supposed to go to fortune-tellers. Not us. This is because God requires us to walk by faith and not by sight. He requires us to trust Him. We may not know the details of our future, but if we're trusting the Lord and He always proves faithful to us, that's enough. Sometimes, of course, I have to say the Holy Spirit does show us things to come or will be given a directional prophetic word. But these bits of foreknowledge come at the initiative of the Lord. We're not supposed to seek prophetic words like some people who go to soothsayers, fortune tellers, and mediums. Without spending enough time to hear from God for themselves, people sometimes are lazy and they'll ask me for a prophetic word in a church meeting. But instead, I quickly challenge them as to how much devotional time they've been spending on a daily basis reading this word and seeking God. We mustn't approach men and women of God who are in touch with the Holy Spirit like we're approaching a fortune teller. Yes, God may move on them to give us a word, but if we haven't been faithful to seek God for ourselves, why should he be obligated to give us a quick word through some preacher who happens to be passing through town? We're supposed to know the will of God by daily seeking him. Well, people ask me if there's any harm in reading a horoscope in the newspaper. And my answer is yes, because, of course, we're supposed to avoid all appearances of evil. And even a casual scanning of a horoscope is a dalliance with occult information. And therefore, reading a horoscope is foolish and flat-out idolatry, because some information is being placed above seeking the Lord's face and will. 
Derek Prince used to teach that another potential door opener for demonic influence is involvement in the martial arts. Because the martial arts originated in cultures that are permeated with idolatry and demonic activity. The same can be said also for yoga. Now, sorcery is the second area of the occult that's mentioned in the Bible that's particularly detestable to God. I was speaking the other day with a grandmother who said that she sensed that her grandchild was oppressed physically because of reading all of the Harry Potter books. You see, you can't dabble with magic, spells, and incantations and not be defiled. There are very strong prohibitions in the Bible against any form of witchcraft. And so the main scripture that I want to share with you today is an important foundational passage in the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 to 12. It's my strong opinion that every believer needs to pay very close attention to these verses, foundational truth. These verses helped me many years ago to discern error and to renounce any involvement with the occult. It says, let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. The modern day equivalent of this practice of sacrificing babies in fire would be the Holocaust of abortions. Secondly, in this passage in Deuteronomy 18, it says, let no one among you who practices divination or sorcery, who interprets omens, who engages in witchcraft or casts spells, let there be found no one among you who does these things, who is a medium or spiritualist or who consults the dead. Now listen, it says anyone who does all of these things is detestable to the Lord. Let's take a Selah moment and consider that word detestable. That's how the NIV renders it. And the King James Bible uses the word abomination. These words detestable, abomination, are the strongest possible language for what the Lord prohibits, for what he hates and rejects. So God places occult people in the same category as those who sacrifice their children to pagan gods. It's hard for us in the 21st century to realize how intensely God hates all of these practices, but he does. Well, how can we protect ourselves from the powers of darkness? As believers, we have spiritual authority over situations. My husband and our two young children were in a hotel many years ago in Cyprus, and my husband suddenly woke up in the night sensing the presence of an evil spirit in that room. Rather than being fearful, he commanded the spirit to leave, and we actually heard the door close as the demon left. This authority comes from knowing the Lord and his power. We're not supposed to be fearful, but we're to be authoritative believers. And in John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and safe. There's safety in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
many different doors lead into the realm of the supernatural, but there's only one narrow door that leads to God, and that door is Jesus, the Messiah. Those who go through any other door of the occult will be detoured into the supernatural realm of Satan, not the realm of the one true God. I'd also like to mention in this program to be aware of secret societies that traffic in the occult. You see, the Christian faith is not a secret society. We have no secret initiation rites when you become a follower of Jesus. Our confession of faith, our belief in Jesus, and our baptism are to be public. We are open-faced. The Bible is an open book. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast about it. And you certainly cannot mix the Lord with the occult. The Bible says you can't drink the cup of the Lord along with the cup of demons. You can't partake of the Lord's table and also eat at the table of demons. And so if you've been involved in the occult or false religion, innocently or deliberately, the Bible urges you to repent of these detestable things, to renounce these abominations, and to seek God's forgiveness through the cleansing blood of Jesus so that you can be released from the oppression that comes with occult involvement. Evangelist Reinhard Bonka always teaches in his meetings what the Apostle Paul taught in the book of Acts, to destroy all objects connected with the occult or false religion. You have to get these accursed items out of your house so that the devil can't visit his property. And what is our best defense in an age of deception? Our best defense is to saturate ourselves daily with the Word of God. That's how Jesus overcame his temptations. He answered every temptation by saying, It is written. And then he quoted a suitable Bible verse. By knowing the Word of God and by saturating ourselves with God's Word and being strong in our loyal love for the Lord, we'll effectively submit to Him. And when we submit to Him, we're able to resist evil spirits. And then the book of James says, they will flee from us and from our homes. We have to come to a place in our spiritual life when, as an act of our free will, we decide once and for all to renounce any contact with the occult. And so if you have any contact objects in your house, like occultic jewelry or Asian art figures or African idols, tarot cards, Ouija boards, witchcraft, computer games, and so forth. You can't go on living with them. It's also important to confess, Lord Jesus, I renounce these things, and I believe that on the cross you took upon yourself every curse that could ever come upon me. So I ask you now to release me from every curse on my life in your name, Lord Jesus. By faith, I now receive my release from the powers of darkness, and I thank you for it. Also, don't forget that Proverbs 26.2 declares that the undeserved curse will not alight. In other words, a curse will not come to rest, and it will ricochet and have no power over you. By repenting from any sin that you've committed, and by forgiving everybody of everything, you remove any possible foothold that a curse might have to come to rest on you. So in the name of Jesus, you have authority as a believer to cancel every hex, curse, spell, 
ungodly prayers, vortexes, and satanic assignments against you and your family. But a word of caution here, you should never take it upon yourself to confront Satan head on. I'm not suggesting you shout at the devil. Rather, Daniel 11.32 promises that the people who know God will be strong and do exploits. And so we renounce Satan. We resist him and he flees from us. And I pray for your healing and restoration if you've been damaged or wounded by any occult associations. I ask Father God, I ask you to send your holy angels to stand guard over all listening to this program who truly repent of any occult connection in the name of Jesus. Everyone watching right now, preserve them from the evil one and strengthen them against all temptations that may come their way. Lord God, surround them with your favor as with a shield. Lord, strengthen your wall of protection around those participating in this program. Keep them safe from temptations and from the tricks of the enemy. Lord, fill our thoughts with your thoughts and let your words be our words because you are our strength, our shield, and our defense. We cover ourselves and all the members of our family. Just call them out by name before the throne of God with the impenetrable blood of Jesus where the devil can do us no harm. And by the power of his blood, we break off every power of the kingdom of darkness and call forth in the name of Jesus all of God's plans and purposes for the rest of our life. Because as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Hallelujah. Thank you, Abba Father, for hearing this prayer in the name of Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. Well, as our time together comes to a conclusion, I remind you that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and delivered. Also, I want to urge you to prepare for the return of the Lord. All the signs that Jesus gave us in advance are now converging and warning us that Jesus will soon return to set up his rule here in Jerusalem. So whatever you have to do to be prepared for Jesus' return, don't put it off. If you have been dabbling in the occult, renounce it. If you're in a wrong relationship, get out of it. If you need to forgive someone or make restitution, do it now. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. Don't put it off because the hour is late. Finally, it's my joy to invite you to participate in our prayer convocations in the Holy Land. Israel so needs our prayers and our presence as tourists at this time. And I've seen it happen hundreds, even thousands of times. A visit to Israel will forever change the way that you see and read the Bible in its geographical connotation. You can stay in contact with me via the social media or at our website, exploits.tv. And at our website, you can click online to receive our free color news magazine, Exploits. And don't forget that all of our videos are available anytime to watch online. Each day, we post important news or prayer pointers for watchmen on the walls to keep you informed. So please tell your friends about our website. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dard. Shalom.
The Jerusalem Channel couldn't exist without you, the viewers, who make our broadcast possible. I can't say enough how much we appreciate your comments, your suggestions, and support. From the City of the Great King, I want to tell you how much we value your prayers also. As the people of Israel say, Todah Rabbah, thank you for being a part of this ministry.